0: Welcome to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. I'm Josh Schneider Schneiderweiler and for this episode, I spoke to Paul Bolsom, the head of performance innovation for Leicester City. Paul began by telling us how his journey with Leicester began with Nigel Pearson at Southampton.
1: First season went really well at Southampton. Second season didn't go as well. I think we made the playoffs, in the championship playoffs in the first season. Second season um, didn't go as well. George Burley, who was the manager, got recruited uh, to become the Scottish, the manager of Scotland. And Nigel Pearson was brought in with 10 games to go. I think we may have been in the bottom three. We were certainly around, around the bottom of the table. And it went down to the last game, a home game against Sheffield United. And ironically, um, by Southampton beating Sheffield United, it meant that they stayed in the Championship, at the cost of Leicester City, who were then re- relegated from the Championship to to League One. I went away that summer with the Swedish national team to the European Championships in Switzerland and Austria. Uh, got a call from from Nigel. I mean, the, in the ten games, we we, we bonded quite quite closely, or in that short space of time, again because of you know, his attitude to, to sports science and how open-minded he was to to both the sports science and the performance analysis side of things and um, got a phone call saying pretty much we're, we're going to Leicester and uh, it wasn't like, uh, you know, how do you fancy coming to Leicester? It was, we're, we're off to Leicester to which I <laughs> sort of said fine, okay, fine by me and, and um, day one at Leicester, um, uh, we 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 met myself, Nigel, Craig, Shakespeare, and Steve Walsh, and, and you know, looking back, that was a, you know, that was a day that, that was um, a memorable day because obviously we went on then to to, to build quite a a good relationship together um, over a long period of time.
0: Well, can you tell me about that day, Paul?
1: No, I guess with anyone there, it, it's quite common now to for for a manager to have sort of a a circle of trust. Yeah, obviously he's, he saw some form of competency in myself but I, i'm sure he saw sort of the loyalty and the trust and and you know that the role of a manager now is you know it's just impossible to have you know to be in charge of every different area so it's it's important that he has sort of a, someone in the medical department sports science department that he can he can really trust and and also delegate to so it's not a case of you know nigel is uh, isn't or wasn't, and certainly isn't, uh, you know, any form of control. You know, he he doesn't need to be control of everything. He he needs people around him that he can trust, that can that can work in, in the different areas. And and I guess, initially, then he had myself uh, and Craig and, and Steve Walsh in the sort of coaching and recruitment. He he he, f- he bonded, very quickly with Dave Rennie, the head of uh, the physical, phys uh, physiotherapy. So we were we were a close side, and and I think that was reflected in when when we um when we made the journey uh, up to Hull together. I think we were five or six of us, who actually left from Leicester for 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 reasons uh, due to change of owners, um, etc. We we actually went up to Hull for just over a season, and and if I remember correctly, we were five or six of us who made that journey with Nigel, and five or six of us then who came back came back to Leicester.
0: So when you were you know, together, what were the discussions like? What were the goals when, cause you're setting the foundation for Leicester going forward, you know, for the rest of the decade.
1: I mean, I, I, I don't actually, I found a, I found a slide not that long ago and, and on it was uh, a journey to the Premier League and beyond, which is actually looking back was, uh, was quite ironic. I'm not exactly sure when that statement was made, um, it made it may have been when King Power came into the picture, but but certainly we had high, high expectations. And I think what was interesting was, you know, we were new coming into the club. We were very passionate, but we were able to to utilize the um, the experience of, of Dave Rennie there, as I mentioned before, who was head of physiotherapy, who I think had already been at the at the club for if it wasn't ten years, it wasn't far off ten years. So we we sort of had Dave there. It was able sort of to, to to introduce us to the club and, and to you know almost to, to help us on our journey we, we we had the backing of the the owner at the time and then the, the backing of the new owners so it was you know I don't think you ever sit down and you, you, know, you would have thought that we would have taken that journey from from sort of League one to Premier League and beyond but of course the initial one was to get back into the championship that was always going to be the the initial. The initial goal, and then actually, if you look on the record, we we made the the championship players. I think two times before we actually we actually made that that final uh, that final jump up into the um, Premier League. So, so yes, there, there there were a lot of discussions, but and and you know as as always, and and the thing I'll always sort of thank Nigel for is the support he gave to me and, and the sports science staff and, and the medical staff and the performance analysis staff. He, he was very clear to the owners, both initially and, and also when King Power came in, that that's an area he, he wanted uh, to invest in. And I'll always thank Nigel for that. And I'll always thank the owners for that opportunity.
0: Well, you've mentioned them, the owners at the King Power how involved are they in managing the club
1: yeah, i mean my role is um, i'm as a consultancy so i i report directly to our director of football so so my my line manager is, is director of football so so i i don't have you know my i don't have a direct uh, conversations with the owners but All I can say is that, you know, I know that the areas of of the sports science and medical and performance analysis are are, are very well respected at the club. And I think if you look at the stability of the staff, if you actually look at the longevity of the staff um, over the last six to eight years, um, you know, there is a core group of staff who who have been there. For a long period of time and, and I think that reflects on the, the certainly on the club and, and certainly on the owners that you know they they have put their belief in, in the staff that are there and, and hopefully you know they they've we've been able to pay back um, you know with, with, with some discussed. Success, level of success. Of course it's always the players who, who bring success, but certainly we've we've been able to support the players
0: in over that period of time. What are some of the benefits that you've gotten out of that continuity?
1: Yeah, really good and interesting question, and probably we could spend the next two hours just focusing on that. I mean, there are obviously strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, you you can have a manager that comes in with with a whole group, so it's you know it's it's not uncommon in the Premier League that a manager will come in, um, you know, with with five or six people and actually rip rip things up that's already been in place and, and and build something completely different. And you know, maybe maybe that for some clubs at at some time that that's what's needed. Um, you know, I, I think again coming back to Dave Rennie, Dave represents some consistency and stability at the club, and as that grew and we were able to sort of support Dave and, and build the sports science and build the performance analysis, I guess people started to see the the benefits of that, um, and and when when Nigel did leave and other managers came in, actually they. They were told that they w- weren't allowed to bring in a, a large number of staff, or that was the you know we wanted to recruit a recruiter manager to work with the with a core, core staff that were in place. There can be also a downside to that. There can be a sort of you know you, you get comfortable, you 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 sort of don't push yourself, you don't push yourself out of your comfort zone. So actually, what's happened now is 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 really interesting at Leicester, where you know, with, with Brendan Rogers coming in, and actually a new manager bringing in um, actually four four new members of staff and and I'm and I'm a, am- <laughs> I don't know whether amazed is the right word but it's worked so well because because he's brought a competent um, group of staff in and I'll come back to being open-minded they've 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 shown total respect for the continuity continuity that's already at the club and they've you know it's from day one I've never felt it's it's us or them it's, it's all about we together, and, and we can bring, you know, these are the strengths that, that we think we've had in, in sports science, for example, but they've come in with new ideas. And, you know, my role has changed slightly, so I'm not taking any credit for, for what's going on in sports science and performance and that's at the moment because I'm more on the innovation side. But it's from the outside looking in, it's been an absolute pleasure to see sort of a new group coming in and, and from day one, working closely together with the with the sort of staff that have been there for, for a long time. I think as a manager today, I think it is a huge challenge to come into a new environment on your own. And and I've heard people talk at different clubs about, you know, you can always work with a new manager. But, you know, that element of trust where, you know, we used to you say if, if you're going to go to war, you know that your manager's gonna be in the front and you'll know that you're gonna be right behind him, supporting him. And once you've got that connection, um, that level of trust, then, then it's very healthy. So, so I think there are different models. I think there are advantages and disadvantages. I think the current model at Leicester is, is absolutely spot on. And, and as I say, from an outsider now, more of an outsider coming in and observing it, it's, it's, it's very, 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 very positive. You know a couple of the times I came in now with with the new management there was something different about training it, it was you know there was a, a there was a sharpness and an a, and a, and attention to detail that that was was very fresh and I picked that and I could see that I could see that immediately.
0: How do you think that Lester was so good at integrating those two staffs you know the ones that had been there for so long and then you know obviously Brennan Rogers staff which you just alluded to.
1: Yeah, it's easy for me. It's all about the manager. I mean, it, it's it's the same at the Swedish national team. I mean the manager, you know, the manager has to take pretty much all the credit because the manager comes with a philosophy and if he lets that philosophy on the table from day one, then it's, you know, and, and I see that with Brendan, I see that with the with the Swedish national team that may get on to talk about the Swedish national team later, but the, we have a manager with a very strong philosophy, very strong values. Uh, very transparent, and you know the group of staff we have here in in the Swedish national team is is very cohesive. We're not all full time at the Swedish FA, and that for me, especially maybe in a in in you know Sweden. On I wouldn't say uh, that we're not a big nation. I still don't think you know Leicester are a big top six team at the moment. Although you know we're knocking on the door to break in there, and when you don't have the resources to compete with the bigger teams, I think you need that cohesive nothing, your staff, you need all the staff um, wanting to, you know, to really uh, work together and, and, and really, we're there to support the players and we must never forget that. That's our role. And, and if we can all do that together, we can collaborate together, um, then, then that's a really important ingredient for, for success. And, and I'll, I'll, also, sorry, I'll also add, and it makes life, so, it makes work so much enjoyable. You know, when you can, you know, when I can come and, and walk into a coach's room and, and you'll feel welcome and the smile, I mean, it's just, it's how it should, it's, it's how it should be, but a lot of the most successful things look simple on the outside looking in, but but um, sometimes they're, they are actually quite complicated to, to achieve.
0: I want to take a step back for a second to the year that you guys did win the title at Leicester. You know, a lot of people have talked about how kind of cohesive that entire unit was from the players down to the coaching staff and how that bond was really one of the main ingredients in your success. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and specifically also how it worked with kind of the backroom staff as well?
1: Yeah, I guess I guess it, it kind of, I would imagine that the 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 season before was sort of the precursor having been bottom of the Premier League, you know, coming up into the Premier League, uh, finding ourselves bottom, finding ourselves relatively uh, an inexperienced squad. And I I guess, you know, relatively inexperienced backroom staff as well in terms of working in the Premier League. And I guess when when we turned that corner and and when, you know, when we finally did make that after Christmas, that, that run of games, which... Which took us to safety. I guess that was the start of a journey. That that um, was where this bonding came. And again, you have to look at the manager, and you have to you you have to, you know, the contribution of the manager is is. And I think it's you know I think you look at any successful club that the manager will have a, a an important part to play in that. And you know, and a lot of it is not not just about the tactics or it's it's the it's the bigger picture. It's the man management. It's the the way that he 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 builds trust in his players and his staff, and and certainly with with Nigel Pearson, that journey started, um, you know, the season before.
0: And Claudio Ranieri obviously came in the summer. So how did he adapt to what you guys already had, and how did he then try to implement his own ideas on on you guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say I, that the Claudio came in with, with new ideas. I mean, you know, an Italian manager coming in and, and a lot of the things, uh, ideas we had didn't match his ideas. But, you, you know, you, you have to give Claudio praise in, in the way that, you know, as the weeks and months went on, you know, it, it, it was, a, you know, him learning the way that we work and us learning the way that he works and just finding that balance. But again, the focus has to be on the players. It has to be on the performance. It has to be on, you know, it's not about us it has to be on on you know for support of the players but of course the manager is is you know he at the end of the day he is in charge so so it's you know the decisions are based on him but you know in in that respect that, that you know you have to give claudio the, the sort of the praise that he he was able to to adapt to the the way that we had been working and and you know i guess we were certainly in the medical and sports science we had some Quite strong views that didn't really match the way he had worked before, but we together found a way to, to make things work.
0: Can you elaborate on that? The strong ideas you had that he didn't necessarily see eye to eye on? Yeah, I think I think one of the things was the
1: the periodization of the week, where you know we were used to having a a match day plus one. I say off, but the players weren't weren't required to report into the um, into the training ground on match day plus one. And in a normal Saturday to Saturday week, they were also off match day minus three. Uh, and this was something that I don't think Claudio had, had experienced before. And, and also Claudio had, had sort of the Italian way were, were, were double sessions. And I think he found that quite strange um, sort of coming in. I think he's, he had maybe been used to, to work in a different way, but you know, it was a case and it really was, it was, it was a case of us, being able to, to sort of justify the reasons why we thought that had worked. And, and if you looked at our sort of, certainly our injury record, we, we had some some really impressive, um, you know, our injury statistics were were very low. We had a very high player availability. And, you know, it's again, it was just finding that common ground about, you know, him used to work in one way, us used to work in one way, and sort of him justifying why he thought his way had worked before and us justifying why. We thought our way had worked,
0: and so what did you settle on in the end? I think it's
1: an interesting one. I think because why this was going on, if you know, to be completely transparent, why this was going on, we were winning games. Yeah, and and I think you know that that may not always be a good thing because it's, you know for cliche, can paper over cracks, but you know we were winning games, and I think Claudia was smart enough to 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 realize that and to understand that. So so I guess. You know, his, his initial fears of maybe not training enough or not training double sessions. You know, we're looking fit, we're looking strong, we had very low injuries, and we we're winning games. So I think that kind of, um, the you know, it, it didn't become an issue for very, for very long.
0: I mean, 96% availability rate kind of speaks for itself, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, it... it the statistics are impressive but you know at the same time we were we were knocked out of the two cups early the, the FA Cup and the League Cup you know we weren't in Europe so we were you know we were fortunate enough to be you know playing Saturday to Saturday we had a fairly settled side so we weren't you know we weren't chopping and changing but um, you know all credit to to and again you know even then I, I'm not I wasn't at the club every day so so the credit should go to sort of the staff the the medical uh, sports science department the the analysis department, but of course the coaching department and the manager manager as well.
0: yeah, I did want to ask you about one aspect that I came across that kind of surprised me, which was your ideas on player empowerment at the time and letting players kind of choose whether they took on sessions or you know did weights and things of that sort. Can you kind of describe or explain the thought processes behind that
1: yeah i think I think sort of. I think in the in the sort of in, in the '90s, and you know, a couple of Swedish players actually came across to the Premier League. Roland Nilsson is one that sticks out, and everyone would talk about how Roland Nilsson was a sort of model professional. So, I think in Sweden, I was used to working with professionals who who, who you know already then were eating properly, were not sort of you know were well aware that the looking after the body was was very important. So that was a culture that I was used to. Coming into Leicester, uh, and again, I think I mentioned Dave Rodney about 15 times already, but sort of Dave being there, uh, being at the time, recognised that, you know, the importance of the players' understanding. So, you know, if we are doing session, why should we should be doing session? And, and to be fair, backed up very, 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 um, you know, by Nigel Pearson, and, and, and this really was an idea that we sort of, as a staff grew, is we the pl- the players need to understand why they're doing things. They need to take more responsibility. You know, it got to a stage where you sort of, you know, you're taking them from, you know, from the changing room into the gym, and you're telling them exactly what to do, and then they all come out of the gym and they go onto the training field, and there's sort of no no responsibility on themselves to uh, to take care of their in in you know, from a sports science. Point of view a medical point of view, to take care of their their own health and, and fitness and you know by by starting to to educate them and and um you know simple things it you know we never sat them down and have lectures with them but you know small talks with them sort of small you know, we just push messages onto the telephones posters here and there you know, it doesn't it wasn't rocking science and, and it still isn't rocking science but just that belief that and, and installing that belief well you know if you not a case of if you don't come to the gym you don't have to do your weight session but you know really develop their understanding why they come to the gym why they want to do why they need to do uh, for example a weight session and now sort of coming moving away from the daily role at Leicester and, and, and actually sat down and talking with the staff not so long ago that, that that's increased even more now that we're you know that Anything we do with a player, the player is in focus. Each individual player is in the centre where we try everything or they try to accommodate the needs of the player but also find a way that works for that each individual player. And of course, if that individual player understands why they need to do this and that and eat this way and do that way, life becomes so much easier. So it's... um. Certainly, something that I think was very important for us, and, and you know, again, you have to have the backing of the manager, but actually, all credit to the players. Um, you know, really good bunch of players, and, and also interesting, you know, you had players we, we signed some players from Manchester United, we, we signed the likes of JMO, um, and, and, and Richie Dilat. sort of coming from a, a different culture and coming into our culture. And so they've been schooled in a different way, but sort of, sort of bringing different cultures, different international players and, you know, with, with British players and... I think you've got to say manager-driven. I think I think Nigel Pearson needs to take a lot of credit for... Because, it, you know, it would have been wrong to do that when we first came into the club. I don't think the group of players was, was right for that. But sort of over time when Nigel was able to sort of sign the players he wanted and, and it became kind of his team, you know, it got easier and easier and it got to a set. And it was never a case we said, right, this is, you know, it wasn't like that yesterday. It was, now it's different today, but it was a sort of gradual, I guess it's it developing a culture that that's what it is, but not not just developing a culture on a piece of paper and saying, we're going to develop a culture, but actually developing a culture where people understand um, the importance and, and again, you know, the physical preparation and, one example was we, we actually went to Leicester Tigers, who, who at the time were very successful. I think they're struggling a little bit at the moment. I'm not I'm not completely up to date with that. But we went to their head of um, strength and conditioning. And he came into us and we actually brought him on board as a consultant for a, for a period of time. Because we wanted to sort of see how they were attacking the uh, the strength and, and power training, we made some, you know, that year we made some very pivotal changes in the way that we trained strength that we we still use today. We we then bought one of Mitchell Willis, who who was a, an intern at Tigers, came and joined us. He's still with us, and our philosophy on strength training actually is is quite different to to a lot of other uh, a lot of other clubs. And, and
0: can you be a little bit more specific? Um, I
1: can and, and you know our, our motto is lift heavy to get strong and you know that that's not that's not a philosophy that that is shared by a lot of clubs so so we believe or our experts in this area believe that you know we need to put lots of forces through through the muscles to either in, to improve maximal strength and that may be neuromuscular or it may be through increasing muscle fiber size but you know we we don't do a lot of olympic lifting with our first team we, we tend to do more isolated type of work again with the player in focus so the player is, is involved now it's got to the stage where the player is involved depending on if, if they're a new player what they're used to what their strength training background is but but um I, so, th- so that's kind of an example and, and and so the player is you know is involved in this decision about how they'll train strength it's not okay you don't want to train it but you know certain players will, will sort of may train more or less based on different factors but once they're educated they understand the importance of it and and also coupled to their you know if, if they're performing as we want them to perform for 90 minutes they're robust they're not breaking down you know there's, there's all there's all different it's all it's actually as simplistic as it sounds is there's a lot of factors that need to be taken into account uh, in, in the background
0: I want to switch kind of to your role as head of innovation. Obviously, uh, that is a title that can go in a bunch of different kind of ways. Can you kind of describe some of your roles and responsibilities that come with that?
1: I think it was a sort of, sort of initially as, as head of performance, uh, uh, performance analysis and sports science. Two members of staff in particular, An- Andrew Blake and Matt Reeves, were were sort of with me from 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 almost day one. So their journey has taken them to, sort of. So the to the head of their department so matt reeves now matt reeves pretty much runs the sports science department and, and and andy blake is the senior performance analyst and so my role naturally has changed in not being there on a daily basis and it was a kind of natural it was a natural step to me with everything going on for example in the world of data and analytics technology, moving into new training ground. So we sort of came to an agreement that, you know, when, when I renew my contract, we would also change my title uh, to include innovation. And, and that's sort of the ability to, well, I guess the license to, to be to be looking at around at, at, at different clubs to see what's there. And also new technology is trying to work with new companies, startup companies or established companies on, on different areas of technology and and then also preparation to to move into our, our new training ground hopefully hopefully next year so and more i would say more more in the analysis at the moment most of my work is the more towards the data and the the performance analysis side than than the sports science side
0: well let's talk about that how are you kind of spending your time in the data side and the you know analysis side yeah
1: i'm, I'm, I'm very good at sort of <laughs> delegating it <laughs> so uh uh, again, uh, you know, credit to the owners and credit to, to, to the director of sport, who, who, sort of, after many years of deliberating, and, and sort of every year we're we're trying to to bring someone in in to work with analytics. We were fortunate to be able to bring in a, a head of football analytics. We had three very strong candidates, and um, uh, and and you know, we're very fortunate to to have brought in Maladin Sormas, who who has a very strong background and. Um, He's been with us now since um, towards the end of last season. So all the analytics side. So I probably get, without exaggerating, probably three mails every three emails every week. Oh, we're an analytics company. We do this or we do that. I can now just forward them to to Maladin. So <laughs> I don't, I don't even pretend to be. Uh, you know, in any the, the knowledge that Maladin has in that area is 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 really impressive. So. You know, I, I can support Maladin in, in other things, um, sort of around surrounding the data, but but when it comes to data, I'm I'm happy for Maladin to, to 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 move on with that. In terms of technology, there's a lot going on for the new training ground. I think with with the performance analysis department we we have a, a lot of really a lot of ideas that are quite futuristic. We we think that you know we know I would say we we don't think we know that The the landscape will change quite dramatically in the next two to three years. There's so much happening in the whole data and and technology side of things. But it's just a case of trying to find a solution that's realistic for us moving into a new training ground in the next 12 months that will allow us to expand on. I think that's where we are at the moment. So so we're not going to move into a futuristic training ground or, you know, the, the performance analysis facilities don't need to be you know sort of futuristic and blow us away from day one but we need to build a platform that's very functional and that will allow us to build on that and and move with the times but i think functional is 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 the key word and and always 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 keeping sort of football in focus and not getting carried away which i think some of my staff may may accuse me of it sometimes i i can sort of have ideas that may be a little bit too uh a little bit too futuristic so they're, they're quite happy to sort of bring me back to, to down to ground and say oh easy let's let's uh let's walk before before we
0: run oh can you tell me one of those ideas those crazy ideas <laughs>
1: yeah and and, and and again you know we, we we talk to companies ibm being one of them and and you know we, we've been in meetings with them and and you know, the, the type of things they're telling us are, are going to be possible in, in the not too distant future. You know, the whole virtual reality scenario where a player can walk into the analysis room and, and you know, with, with, with glasses on, can really you know position himself anywhere on the field in any given situation. So it could be, uh, you know, it could be Casper, goalkeeper, at a free kick. So he can actually go back down on the field now and say, okay, so what did I see? Was my wall position correctly? It could be, uh, you know, it could be a striker. It could be, you know, a striker looking at, OK, was I on the shoulder? How was my body position? But then also what we think will be interesting is the help of virtual reality to put our younger players, we'll be able to put our younger players in, in those positions as well. So, we, you know, it may be a good feedback tool for our own senior players, but certainly for young players, you know, we maybe have to use this kind of technology to, to sort of upskill them quicker. The, the whole idea of, of you know, making uh, the interactivity with, with performance data, I would say the word sexy, but certainly uh, more user friendly. So, so a player may be able to walk into the analysis room with face recognition. The whole scope, this, the, the landscape of the room changes to, okay, now player A is walking into the room. This player usually likes statistics and these three categories of, of highlights of his performance maybe that we're playing a team on saturday or sunday and maybe as that player enters the room he says opponents and again that the room may change and say okay this player usually wants to see uh, his immediate uh, the player he will be expected to play against or he may want to see this or that so so making this whole analysis experience you know really keeping up with the times and but, and a big but, not 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 just, uh, you know, it's not just, wow, but it's actually okay. Let's get the information to the player. Let's get the work processes to get that inf- information to the players as effective as possible. So we don't have analysts trawling through hours and hours of, of video footage and data whereby, you know, with the help of our analytics team, we, we can have that, the workflows can be, you know, really reduced in time, we can get more information but then making that information available to the players far more user friendly and far more uh, effectively and efficiently it's and, it's- and and in, but sorry but it and that might not you know that you know I still work with players who who don't spend time sort of debriefing their own performance they they you know I would call them more artists than but certainly again and and even maybe trying to find ways to accommodate those players but sort of using this whole you know the whole feedback scenario i think that's something we've got a lot to learn is trying to understand the different learning styles of the different players and then and then making sure that we're able to give the feedback that that is best suited to to them
0: it seems like one of the issues that you're really trying to deal with and handle is integrating this all this new technology and making it easy to understand and use by coaches and the players and making it really pragmatic uh, for them
1: yeah I think that's spot on and and um, but I think I think the key and and again something with which, which uh, Miladin gets a lot of praise for and and you know is really a and he doesn't just say it but but really also asking get it the questions should be coming from the coaches it should be coming from the players so we're not Trying to force feed information down them, we're trying to understand what do they want to see, what kind of questions do the coaches, uh, want to ask. Occasionally, on the back of them asking a question, we or my lad and his team maybe have to send something back to them. Okay, you asked for this, but okay, this is this is something else we see, and it, and it's certainly not just about numbers, but you know the integration of numbers with 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 sort of video footage, but but then still. You, know, you can show a player something, you can, you, know, you can answer questions. It still, in my opinion, has to then be translated to work on the field, work on the grass. And that's where I think the successful coaches of the future will be able to understand the advantage of technology, ask the questions uh, of the technology and, and the data, get the information back, but then still be able to go onto the grass and, and, and do the job on the grass. I don't think we'll ever certainly not in 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 my um the the relatively little time i've got left in 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 sort of in working in football i don't think that will that wouldn't have disappeared by then
0: how much of this comes from the owners it seems like they have quite a vision for the club and being this like really progressive you know futuristic type club
1: i, I think they're 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 very intelligent people The you know we have a very uh, our, our ceo is 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 very successful and, and i think they you know they understand the importance of moving with the times but again it's this you know obviously as, as any owner they, they, they want a successful club um, of which i guess you know we we they recognize the importance of of um, sort of technology and and, and data but you know, I guess that it's still you still need the, the staff, the competent staff and the and the manager who sort of gives gives the staff the license to, to use this type of technology and data. So I think it's a combination of many different things, but, but certainly without the support of the owner, certainly without the support of the director of football, certainly without the support of the manager then then, you know, I talked about I don't like barriers, but certainly they are unnecessary barriers. But if those three barriers are down and, and I also think what we see now in the future is you know you don't just employ a sports scientist or the, the whole interview process and the whole you know the, the recruitment of the staff of course will never be as, as important as players but certainly you know I've noticed over over the last few years that the whole the recruitment of of I mean there are now even specialised recruitment agencies you know who, who, who do a very you know, thorough job of, of sort of Getting uh, candidates for suitable candidates for sort of support staff roles, so so that whole area is is certainly an area that uh, to get to get your back staff backroom staff right is is so 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 very important.
0: I know you're going to be at the TGG event uh, coming up in November. Uh, what are you looking forward to learn uh, from the other people that will be attending there in terms of data and innovation?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. The, I still think we're quite, you know, it, it's. We're quite young. There's. I've you know, been to a few conferences. I've actually not been to a sort of a data conference of the of this sort. So I'm. I'm. I'm very interested in to learn about what what the other clubs are doing, what the FA are doing. I think the FA will be uh, will be represented there, and and also that I think what I'm always interested in is how much are they actually prepared to, to share with us? You know, are they, are they really just going through the process and, and, and just saying things or are they actually generally prepared to sort of open up and, and, and show us what, what they do? So I think that that'll be there because I know in sports science that there's certainly a, a spectrum, you know, I think we pride ourselves in uh, at, at Leicester of, of, you know, we. Of course, we're never going to go out and show show everyone everything we do, but we've got a we've got ourselves going to organising a, a big conference in February, a Tactical Insights 2020 um, conference on the 19th of February. Our sports science department organised uh, a performance and injuries conference a couple of years ago, where we pretty much opened our doors and said, "Hey, this is what we do," and we actually were, were showed you know the audience for a whole day in, in detail without actually holding anything back this is how we work. But on the back of that, you know, you'll get improve your network, you'll get uh, collaboration with people, with companies, you'll get, you know, you get to talk to different people. So, you know, I think the philosophy is it's a sort of win-win philosophy, probably the open-mindedness coming coming back through.
0: Wonderful. Well, I, I feel like I've taken so much of your time and I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. For the next episode, we'll be coming live from our Big Data conference in Manchester. In the meantime, you can follow our latest updates on the website and on Twitter at ground underscore guru.